I want to talk to you this morning about faith. I think faith is one of those things like grace. You can never overemphasize. You can never have too much of it. And in fact, you know, I remember years ago, one really famous preacher wrote a book called Hyperfaith. And the purpose of his book was to tell people not to have too much faith. You know, he was talking about you word of faith, people that believe you should confess the word and always be optimistic and believe that God is good. You know, all that nonsense. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and I remember reading it and because uh, at that time the guy was my pastor. So I felt obligated to read his book and I was just a youngling. And, and I thought this doesn't seem right because I've read the four gospels and I never find Jesus rebuking anyone for having too much faith. I mean, I found him, you know, rebuking people for having little faith, but I never found him saying, you know what, you're just believing too radically. You got you to gotta tamper down that faith a little bit. You're, you're too fanatical in your faith. Be more like me. Be ice cold. <laughs> wow. I never find Jesus doing that. And uh, so I want to say to you this morning, of all the things that you develop in your life, you know, those amazing biceps and those rock hard abs and that great brain of yours, develop your faith, too. Give yourself to the word of God and give yourself to praise and develop faith because you've heard me say this before because see, faith is another thing like God. Is it okay if I chase some rabbits? That um, a lot of people misunderstand what faith is and you know, if we've been taught faith, we'll say, well, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen and that makes you feel good because that is probably the clinical definition, but what does it actually mean? All right, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay, so that means faith will bring me anything I hope for? Not necessarily. I knew, I knew uh, um, Andrew Womack shared this story. I knew of this, this. He said one woman had a revelation that Kenneth Copeland had married the wrong woman and that Kenneth Copeland was supposed to have married her. And so she went to her pastor and she said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope that Kenneth Copeland will come to me. And the pastor, instead of saying, now, sister, bless your empty head. <clears throat> he actually said, well, you know, faith has to have corresponding actions, so let's have a wedding in the church. And you can marry Kenneth Copeland in the spirit. And I often wondered, what did they hope would happen to Gloria? You know what I'm saying? And as far as I know, Gloria is still married to Kenneth. Yes, sir. And I don't know what happened to this woman or that pastor. But this faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's not whatever you hope for. It's what you hope for in alignment with God's word and his will for your life, which is why I always say it this way. The ultimate objective of faith. See, it's, it's one thing to have a clinical definition. It's a better thing to understand what the purpose of a thing is. If I understand what the purpose of a thing is, I don't need a clinical definition. I can't give you a clinical definition of my car, but I know the purpose of my car is to get me where I want to go. As long as I know its purpose, I don't need a clinical definition. So let me give you the purpose of faith. To make God's truth your reality. That's it. That's the objective of faith. That everything that's in the kingdom should be in your life and all of the will of God should be manifested in your life. The purpose of faith is to make the truth of God in all of its wonder and its vibrancy and its vastness my reality. And that means that anything that's in my life that's not in agreement with God needs to either be rebuked, removed, or changed. Amen? 
So the, the, the greater your faith, the easier it is to bring God's reality or his truth into my reality. So the message this morning is big faith. Are you ready? All right, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I'm going to read it to you out of the New American Standard, and it says this, And without faith, it is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. That, 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 that one verse alone will change a lot of people's theology. Because there's a lot of people that think he is and that he's a judge. He is and he's a condemner. But the scripture says you must come to him and believe that he is and that he is a of those who diligently seek him. So understand this. God's not out to get you. He's out to bless you. So let's look again, but this time only at a portion of the verse. Without faith, it is impossible. I wrote this down, seeing the invisible and doing the undoable without faith. Well, that's impossible. See, without faith, you're confined to living by what you can see. And we're just going to let that marinate for a moment. Without faith, I am confined to live only by what I can see. So what I see on the nightly news becomes my reality. What I see in my bank statements becomes my reality. What I hear in the neighborhood becomes my reality. Because without faith, I can't believe more than what I can see. But with faith, I have the ability to elevate my life beyond the boundaries and the borders of what my eyes can see. By faith, I can live bigger than my environment. By faith. But without faith, I can't do that. See, when we have faith, life doesn't become religious. When we have faith, life becomes big. Faith, true faith does not make me religious. True faith makes me loving, caring, giving, and it makes me a very big dreamer. Realize, realizing that prophetic word without faith, well, that's impossible too. Being the first person in generations of your family to finally get ahead of that rat, you know, the rat race, been chasing the rat for generations in your family. Well, without faith, you'll never get ahead of the rat. But by faith, you can get ahead of the rat. Getting healed of that incurable disease without faith. That's impossible too. Living life according to the divine design without faith. That's impossible. But nothing, listen, nothing need be impossible for you and I. Doesn't the Bible say all things are possible? To who? Believe what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that is come. Listen, every word that God says about himself, 
you believe. Don't believe what they say. I want to say it again. One of the greatest God blockers in our culture is the misrepresentation of God. People live in silent suffering because they're afraid. If they ever came to church or came to God, all they're going to get is a list of do's and don'ts and condemnation and, 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 and be told how bad they really are. But it is. That's a lie. With faith, or by faith, we can see our Father for who He really is. By faith, our lives can be transformed to reflect His glory and His goodness. And by faith, His divine design for us can become our daily reality. Amen. Mm. This is why today we've got to have big faith. We've got to be able to believe beyond our environment. And we've got to believe that just because they say the days are getting darker, light shines for the upright. Nothing is impossible to us because we believe every word that comes from the mouth of God concerning himself, but also hear me when I say this, concerning what he says about you. You've got to believe that what God has said about you is more true than the labels they've attached to you. Because when people attach labels to you, they attach labels to you based on your history and what they can see of your physicality. They can't see beyond the flesh. But God calls you not according to where you've been or how you look. He calls you according to his glory. And his calling, is, his calling on you is greater than the name they gave to you. So we believe what he said of us. And those of you who've attended Real Life Church for a while know this. I've said this to you so many times, that God knows everything about you, past, present, and future. He knows every dastardly deed you've ever done, and you know you've done some dastardly deeds. You've done some things you don't want me to know about. And it's amazing how those things never get put on Facebook. You only, you only put the pretty pictures on Facebook. You don't show me in the morning before you got your makeup on. And I don't show you me neither. Why? Because there are some things we don't want everyone to know, but God knows them. And yet God, who knows everything about you, good, bad, and everything in between, has never said one derogatory word about you. He never uses what he knows of you to condemn you. So everyone say he's a good father. So let's go to Romans chapter 10. We got to get this train going or you'll never get home. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And for those of you, please be praying for me because right after church, I got to head down to my in-law's house in Key Largo and fix some hurricane damage. <clears throat> so be praying because I'll be working. And if you all want to come with me, just raise your hand. We all go down there and work together in that humidity. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Listen to this. So faith comes. Everyone say faith comes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith is not a one-off deal. Faith can be developed. Faith can grow. And the way faith grows, hear me when I say this, it's the same way fear grows. By words. People become afraid based on what they hear. People become faithful based upon what they hear. 
So faith comes by hearing the right words. And hear me when I say this. All of you hear what you say. So it's not only important that you hear from others the right words, it's important you begin to speak the right words. I heard one preacher say it this way, you're the greatest prophet you'll ever meet. Because you believe what you say. If you didn't believe it, you wouldn't. So you make sure that the words, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And what that literally means, this, is your words give authority to either life or death. So faith comes by You can never overhear or hear too much of faith-giving words. You ought to speak them every time, everywhere. We ought to go back to the early Word of Faith movement, and our house never left it. My wife ain't here, so I can tell on her. Man, we got stickies all over the place. I can't see our refrigerator. Because I walk up to our refrigerator and I see faith makes it possible. Something good's going to happen to you today. Believe big. I'm like, what's in the refrigerator? <laughs> I got to read a whole sermon before I get in. I go, I go, listen, it takes a while to get my hair this nice. And when I go to the mirror, I got to like bend down and look a little to the left. Why? Because there's stickies all over the mirror. I walk down the hallway and it's believe big. But we ought to be like that. You know why? Because of the enemy and life itself is always trying to siphon the faith out of you. And so you and I got to make sure that we're always infusing the faith into us. Don't be concerned about being too radical. And I would rather be faithful than pretty. And what do you mean by that? You can decorate your house and that's beautiful, but I would rather have sticky notes all over the place. So when I walk down the hallway, I see something that just calls for faith. When I get to look in the mirror, I don't mind bending down and looking up and looking over. As long as when I leave that mirror, I'm believing that something good is going to happen to Jimmy Miller today. And it doesn't matter what the, it doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter what has just happened. I know God is greater than. See, a faith, is this okay this morning? A faith that is unshakable is a faith that is invincible. Where it doesn't matter what you've heard. It doesn't matter how you feel. Nothing's going to shake that faith. And if your faith is unshakable, then it's invincible because you're never going to let it go. And if everything around you collapses, but this little plot of ground you're standing on, you're still standing and you still got faith. And faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Now, I think before I chase that rabbit, what I was going to say was that a lot of people don't even understand because they've heard that faith is how you manipulate God. You know, I mean, I've heard, I've heard well-meaning faith preachers preach. If you'll just say it 500 times, God will have to. No, he don't. God lives beyond my ability to manipulate. I could confess it 10 million times, and if God didn't want to do it, my confession ain't going to make him do it. So I'm not, I'm not confessing in order to manipulate. I'm confessing in order to submit to. 
by declaring that there is one truth that rides over every other lie, and that is that God is good and God is for me and God is not against me. And if you said it, you'll do it. So if I got to stand here all by myself and confess the healing verses while my body aches with pain, I'm going to keep confessing them because your word is true. And that's what confession is. It's just me being humble before him, humble enough to say your truth overrides every other truth. Amen. Mm. Words are the delivery vehicles of faith. I wrote this down. Some things come by train. Some things come by boat. Some things come by truck. Faith always comes by words. Everyone say faith comes, faith comes. by words. If we get this one thing right, we've already got our Ph.D. in faithology. Faith comes by words. And when I release, when I release faith-filled words, I'm not so much releasing those words for your benefit. I'm releasing them for my benefit. So that my ears can hear my words and my heart can believe what it hears. Is this okay this morning? I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. God made the process of faith easy to understand. I always, it takes religious people to make this thing complicated. Because God made it simple. He said it, we believe it, period. And as a master teacher, the Lord will always reference something we know to explain something we don't understand. Jesus did this all the time. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. So how do I explain this? Hmm? Nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So in other words, if I don't explain it to you, you ain't never going to understand this. So I'm going to explain it to you in a way you'll understand because you've got to understand that I'm a great deal higher than you. I have a different perspective and I have a lot more authority and power. Albert Einstein said this, genius is making complex ideas simple, not making simple ideas complex. The Lord's a genius, so he makes the complex very easy to understand because he goes on to say in verse 10, for as the rain, you'll understand rain, right? Y'all ever got wet? You'll understand this is what the Lord is saying. I want you to understand how my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So I'm going to explain it in a way you'll understand. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, got it. Been there, seen it. And do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I got that. That's the process of farming. I understand that if I put a seed in the ground, I need water to hit the seed. And if I got water hitting the seed, I have every right to expect that that seed is going to sprout. And it's going to produce what I put it in the ground to do. Right? So he, this is what the Lord is explaining. Verse 11. So my word. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. And without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. So what the Lord is saying is, when my word hits the soil of your heart, 
it's going to produce life. It's going to produce light. It's going to produce laughter. It's going to make you full of joy that is full of glory. My word is going to do for you what the rain does on the earth. Now, what we've got to do is make sure that our heart is soft, not concrete. Because see, if the rain, is this okay? If the rain falls from the sky and hits concrete, it does not affect the soil underneath. This explains really simply why some people can be in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they can hear T.D. Jakes or Stephen Furtnick or whoever else you like, and their word have no impact on them whatsoever. Because they've allowed the pain of their past to concrete their heart. They've allowed that time where they believed and thought that God betrayed them. Or they came to a church and they got hurt and they said, I'm never going to do that again. So they concrete over their heart for protection. But the concrete they laid over their soul for protection becomes a barrier between them and faith working in their life. We got to make sure that that those words get into our heart. So God likens the word cycle or the faith cycle to the water cycle. For the water to cause the growth, it must penetrate and saturate the soil. If the water can't get to the soil, it has no opportunity to cause growth. Go with me to Joshua 1.8. If the word goes in one ear and quickly out the other, meaning it's forgotten, it can't cause the promised increase. This is the reason I celebrate those of you who are crazy enough to listen to my sermons 15 and 20 times a week. And I love it when somebody comes up to me and tells me they go to bed with me every night. I don't know why they would, but I got to bribe my wife. But the, the reason I rejoice in that is because you're letting that word get in. Whatever, whether it's on the seasons of life, you're letting it get in and it's becoming part of you and it's going to produce in you an understanding and a reality of God's working in your life. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You shall meditate on it when? Day and night. night. Remember, you can't overdevelop your faith. You can't give faith too much work. You can't listen to too much word. You can't. You can't praise him too often. You just can't. There are some things you, now you can eat too much banana pudding. But you can't praise him too much. You can't get too much of his word in you. You can't confess his word too much. You shall meditate on it day and night. This word meditate means, it means to saturate. And one old preacher said it means this. It means to murmur. You shall murmur to yourself the word of God day and night. So that, listen to this, you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, y'all listening? Then you will make your way. You will make your way. How are you making your way? Because you're meditating on the word day and night. 
And as you're meditating on the word, the word is informing your decisions. You're doing things. You're doing things in agreement with the word because the word is in you. So when you got a decision to make between righteousness and unrighteous, doing it in a human way or a God way, you're choosing the God way. Why? Because you're meditating on the word and the word is changing your mindset and it's informing your decisions. So the steps of a righteous man now become ordered of the Lord. I don't know if I'm, I'm helping myself. I ain't helping you at all. As I'm meditating on it and I've got to walk, you know i got to do something today. When I wake up, i got to do something. I want it to be the right thing. It's not enough just to do something. i got to do the right thing. So I wake up and I'm meditating the Word day and night. I've been dreaming about the Word at night. So when I wake up, wisdom comes from on high and says, start with the left foot, not the right foot. And when you get to the place where you got to make a turn, wisdom tells you turn to the left and not the right. For the steps of a righteous man who've been meditating on the word day and night, he's making his way prosperous because the word is guiding him into a wealthy place. Faith comes by. Hmm. And then you will have You'll have success. Hmm. Saturation is the key. And I wrote this words, but not just any words. Make sure they're the right words. Listen, please hear me. They can't even be like the right words. They got to be the right words. Except no substitute. This is the reason. There's a lot of good books to read. Self-help and leadership books, they're good and they're grand. I don't want to call them great, but there's only one book that's life. There's only one book that is actually alive and pulsating with the energy of God. And it, it, it both brings life and imparts life. So read the Bible. Yeah. I know it's old fashioned and it's antiquated. And if it makes you feel better, read it on your iPhone. It don't much matter. But just read it. Why? Because when you read it, listen, you can read. Is this okay this morning? You can read first and second Chronicles. You know, the ones whose names you can't pronounce and begot. So begot and he begot someone else and they begot someone else. I done forgot who they begot, but they begot them too. And that can bring you life. I heard my, my old pastor Dave Roberson said one time, you can raise the dead off the begots. Because every word of God is pregnant with the life of God. All he needs us to do is believe what he has said. Isaiah 59 verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth. My words, which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring. Why? Because you're going to set a whole new legacy. Listen, parents, if your children never see you praise, they won't grow up knowing how to praise. And daddy, if your son never sees you pray, he will not be a man who prays. Chances are. But if your son sees daddy praying, he's going to become a man of prayer. Yes, sir. 
And if your children see you praising, they're going to become people of praise. And so you'll change entire generations just by changing the culture of your kitchen. Jesus is the author of our faith. His words enter into the heart and act upon the heart. And then our heart reacts to the word. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, out of the Passion Translation. Faith, then, is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of the anointed one. Everyone say big faith. That's our objective. Now, I got to hurry up because now that we know where faith comes from, it enters into our life story of God, by God's words. And I wrote this, every born-again person has the potential for big faith. There's not one of us that have been ordained of God to live insignificant lives. None of us have been ordained of God to have mediocre faith. No, no, no. If our faith remains in the mediocre realm, it's a self-decision. But if we decide, you know what, I'm going to have faith like they had faith. Whoever it is they is for you, people like Catherine Kuhlman or Smith Wigglesworth, Savonarola, John G. Lake. Man, when I read their stories, I like, I want to live like that. I want to be the guy that when they put a disease into my hand, they watch it die. I want to be the guy who when I lay my hands on someone who's missing limbs, they appear. I'm, I want to be that guy. You know what that guy is? I'm, I want to be that guy who when I stand up in the pulpit, I don't shake unless it's the spirit of God. But it's not shaking out of, I want to be that guy. And I can be that guy. Can I, another rabbit I'm going to chase real quick. We all need to understand that all throughout life, cost is the great disqualifier. Come on now, Pastor. I mean, I know we want to blame it on whether we're men or women, black or white, from the south or the north. But really, cost is the only yeah. disqualifier. What do you mean by that? You can have anything you're willing to pay the price for. I promise you, you show up at a gated community where it's only a certain ethnicity that lives behind it, but you got the bucks. They'll let you in. The thing that disqualifies us is cost. You can drive a Chevette or a Corvette. It's only about the cost. When I used to fly all the time, I never enjoyed sitting by the toilet. The seat didn't recline and I heard every flush. Why would I sit there if I didn't enjoy it? Cost, man. Cost is the, the only thing that kept me out of first class was not desire. What kept me out of first class, bro, was cost. Well, what's that got to do with faith? Everything. Because if I'm willing to pay the price. If I'm willing to pray when others play, if I'm willing to fast when others gorge, if I'm willing to spend time with God and God alone, I can be that guy. But in order to be that guy, I've got to do what they did to become that guy because they didn't become that guy by God's favor upon them and no one else. 
They became that guy because they made a decision. I'm going to walk with God when everyone else walks away. I'm going to keep walking with God. I'm going to keep confessing his word. And if I'm standing at the mouth of a fiery furnace, I'm going to declare that whether I go in or stay out, my God is with me, my God is for me, and my God can deliver me even from you. But I've got to be willing to pay that price. Is that okay? Was that a rabbit worth chasing? You can be that woman. You can be that guy who, when the, when the economy tanks, and trust me, let men mess with it long enough, and even the United States economy can tank. I've been in, I was in, I, I finally achieved a dream, and I went to Istanbul, Turkey. An amazing place to go. I got there the day after their economy tanked. I know what it is to pay $250,000 to use a toilet. I'm a high roller, baby. Because the day before it was a quarter. But when the economy tanks, they add zeros. I mean, when you got, and see, some, have y'all ever left, is this okay? Have y'all ever left America and gone to Europe or somewhere where you got to pay to use the facilities? I got chased out of a church in Germany one time because I didn't know I was supposed to pay. I went in. Y'all can. I did what you do. And I walked out and I was just admiring and all of a sudden this nun started yelling at me. Well, I was raised Catholic. I know what to do when a nun yells at you. You run. (laughs) It ain't fun messing with a nun. So this nun started yelling at me, and I started running. She started chasing me. She chased me outside the church in Berlin, halfway down the block, yelling at me because I didn't put that dime in the bucket. So I learned. So when I came out of the bathroom in Turkey, it was like, when you got a you better know God. You better know that he supplies all of your needs according to his riches and glory, not what you got left in the bank account after they just take it all. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day. Listen, even in our lifetime, when you and I better have big faith. Where if we got to wake up in the morning and walk outside and find manna. I want to be that guy. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Is this okay? Some never give much time or effort. I got 18 seconds and six pages of notes. Some never give much time or effort to the development of their faith. So they belong to the little faith club. Others give great effort and much time to the development of their faith. And so they gradually graduate to the great faith club. Club big faith is accepting members. All are welcome. Y'all want to join? Let's go to Romans chapter 10. And I might close before I get done. We'll pick this up later on. I don't want to just run through it. So we'll read Romans chapter 10 and then we'll close. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. I remember the first time I read this when I was aware of the ridicule 
that comes with being a word of faith person. And then I read it and I thought, Paul was a member of the Word of Faith Club. So when I discovered that Paul was the original, <laughs> I didn't much care that they ridiculed me for being, I'd rather be part of the Word of Faith. I would rather be part of the blab it and grab it than the doubt it and do without it group. Thank you, I'd rather be guilty of confessing God is too good if such a thing were possible. Yes, sir. The Word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And just so you know, that's not just the moment of salvation. Selah. This is actually sozo. An ongoing process, meaning that the same way you received Christ, you, this, there's rabbits all over, y'all. I'm, salvation is not the end game. That time when you gave your life to Christ, that wasn't the end game. That was the beginning of the journey. That was the door that opened up to you to walk into God's life and his favor and his blessings. Now I continually use the same method. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. And another part of the puzzle is added back to me so that step by step and piece by piece, I'm sozoed. What does sozoed mean? It means I'm made completely whole again. That when life tore me up, God sends his angels out and they, they go back to 1984 when that bad thing happened and I left part of my dream or my soul or my heart back there. And they bring it back and they say, okay, here, it's back. No, 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 no. See, some of you think that that moment when you were trespassed against or you were transgressed or that other unspeakable thing happened to you that you can never get your innocence back. You can never get your hope back. You can never get your joy back. All things are possible to them that believe. The enemy can't steal something God can't restore. Nothing broken, nothing missing, everything put back in together. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation so the very same thing i did to receive jesus as my christ is the very same thing i do to receive him as my healer it's the very same thing i do to receive him as my deliverer it's the very same thing i do to receive him as my provider what do i do i believe in my heart that he is the king of all provision So I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, even when I've got no bread in the cupboard and the refrigerator's bare. God, you're a good God and you provide bread and you provide meat and you provide substance. And I believe, Father, that you will do these things. And faith is constantly working and I'm constantly muttering and meditating on his word. And then one day I wake up and realize God's done it. I'm not the broken man I started out as. I'm not the unloved orphan anymore. Somehow during this process, God made me whole. I used to not be able to love people that weren't just like me. Now I love everybody. When did that happen? I don't know. He just did it. 
I used to have this idol on my life and this idol in my life and this idol in my life. Now all my idols are gone. When did they disappear? I don't know, but he did. Faith makes all things possible. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Need our prayer people up front, please.